Folks, if you're liking what you're getting from 30MPC, the number one way you can support us is by subscribing to our newsletter. Every week, you only get two emails. On Monday, you get a content roll-up of everything that dropped last week. And on Fridays, I pick one topic and I personally write a deep dive on things like how to cold call, how to run a discovery call, or even how to hire an AE. So if you're liking what you're getting here, take two seconds, go to the show notes. You'll see a button to subscribe to our newsletter, or you can go to 30mpc.com backslash newsletter and do it there. We'll catch you soon. Cheers. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to another episode of 30 Minutes to President's Club. I'm your host, Nick Sigelski, and I'm joined by my wonderful co-host, Armand Farouk. And today, we've got Sarah Plowman, who is a senior business development manager over at Pareto. And you might recognize that name, and I hope you recognize that voice, because Sarah has a tremendous TikTok following, where she cold calls on TikTok and actually does the job, which is what the show is about interviewing real practitioners. Armand, why should people listen? Probably one of the most actionable, if not the most actionable episode we've had on cold calling in a really long time. How you open, how your opening question should sound. When they answer your opening question, what do you say in return? And then how do you hard close and book the meeting? Phenomenal. Three, two, one, roll the tape. Today's tip to optimize your sales day is brought to you by Boomerang. If you get an email and the action required on that email is going to take you less than two minutes to do, do it on the spot. It's not worth adding it to your to-do list, having to look at the item, remember what you need to do. That's going to take you more than two minutes anyway. So do it on the spot, get it off your plate. Now we documented our best templates and tips to help you optimize your sales day with our friends at Boomerang. And you can get that documentation for free at the link in the show notes. This actionable competitive tactic from Clue is the trap question. Steer discovery toward the winning zone. If we're competing with a podcast that has no newsletter or webinar series, we might ask a trap question like, how do you figure out if those podcast listeners are making their way to your mailing list? And when you're in a head-to-head, there's no better way to prepare for your next competitive battle than with our trap questions and battle card templates from our friends at Clue. The link's in the show notes. Your Zoom Info actionable insight tactic is called Jane's Moving Up. Why? Because that's the email subject line you'll use when you get a real-time notice that your prospect Jane just got promoted. From there, in the email, explain how Zoom Info helps rising sales leaders win their first 90 days on the job by highlighting coaching opportunities or supporting a team-wide prospecting push. And you can try out this trigger-based email template for prospect promotion and four other scenarios inspired by Zoom Info's go-to-market plays. Link in the show notes. Today's show is brought to you by Exactly Forecasting, which is a flexible sales forecasting solution that uses AI and data to help you call an accurate sales forecast. Gartner says over half of sales leaders don't have high confidence in their forecast. One way we recommend to improve your forecast is to align as a team on explicit attributes that must be true in order to deem a deal forecastable. That way your forecast will get clearer and the team will know where to focus efforts. We put together a forecasting 101 guide with our friends at Exactly. Get it for free in the show notes. All right, Sarah, welcome to the show. We start every single episode with your top three actionable takeaways. So let's get your three. Yeah, absolutely. So first, we have use a cheeky cold call opener. You know, I love using what did I catch you in the middle of? You're going to hate me. This is a cold call. Or even I tend to catch sales leaders at the worst timing. What did I catch you in the middle of? Can always add that into the first cheeky opener that I had. But love a good cheeky opener. You guys know that if you follow me on TikTok. Boom. What's number two? 
Two is stop asking closed-ended questions on cold calls. You have absolutely just nailed your pitch. However, you follow up with the first question and it leads to a closed-ended question and your prospect all of a sudden says no or yes and you have nowhere to go. So what I do at Pareto is, for example, a question that's closed is, are you guys hiring? And if I get a no or a yes, I'm really stuck. Well, mostly no, which usually is a no. But the way to kind of change that is out of curiosity, I saw you guys were looking to hire. What are your goals and priorities for 2024? Where do you guys see yourself at the end of the year? And it really leads the conversation into a really open conversation. Boom. Beautiful. Round us out, Sarah. What's number three? And last but not least is if you get stuck, don't forget to fall back on a really easy question, which is as simple as what do you mean? I think a lot of times we're calling into sales leaders or your ideal customer profile. And all of a sudden, all these crazy terms are coming at us. And we're not that technical. We're salespeople at the end of the day. Don't be afraid to ask, what does that mean? Also, it's an open-ended question. And it's just a really easy way to gain more information that you can use throughout the cold call. So let's go back to this opener. You pick up the phone. You're like, hey, Armand, what did I catch in the middle of? And I'm like, well, I was getting angry at my co-host, Nick, before you cold called me. Then what do you do from there? Use it. Say, what the heck is Nick doing over there? You know, build some rapport, build some humor into it. Be yourself. I think people forget it's human connection. People want to know that it's a human at the end of the day. So much AI is coming into this world. So just be yourself, be genuine, have some fun with it. So eventually I'm sure I'm going to be like, okay, very funny, yada, yada. You're a human. Sarah, what's this regarding? You're right. What do you do when I'm like, okay, get on with the show? Go straight into your pitch, waste no time. So what I would say at Pareto is we're a global sales performance organization and we really help clients in three main ways. So the first is hiring emerging talent, recent graduates that are looking to get into an SDR, BDR position. Those are the ones that are going to come in, cold call, build top of funnel pipeline. A lot of you guys watching are probably in a similar position as this. Secondly, we do senior sales hiring, pretty self-explanatory, anywhere from an account executive to a VP of sales. And last but not least, we're a fully-fledged sales training organization. So whether that's developing your current team and or developing people that we place it within your business, it's kind of two ends of the spectrum there. Waste no time. Ask maybe a question or two at the end, but always go for the close as well. So what do you ask at the end? Typically, open-ended question. And I'll say, what are your goals and priorities for this year? Based on some of the things I just said, what is most valuable to you? Or do any of the things that I just said ring a bell of what you guys are trying to achieve this month or this quarter or this year? All of those are open-ended questions that you can use to get really valuable information. And typically, whenever they do ask or respond to that, I'll say that is exactly why we should meet Armin, because this is exactly what Pareto supports with. And then I'll go in for a hard close. Sarah, I want to go back to your opener, actually. What you're okay. doing is you're calling and you're using a cheeky opener where you're, you're calling Armand and you're saying, hey, what did I catch you in the middle of? And Armand was maybe not the world's easiest prospect. He said he was angry at his wonderful co-host, which just shocks me that, that that would ever happen. But I imagine there are sometimes prospects who are like, they don't even give you anything to work with there. You say, hey, what did I catch you in the middle of? And they're like, I'm not interested. How do you recover when someone won't give you any line right off of your opener? Out of curiosity, why aren't you interested? I haven't said anything yet. Hmm. You need a little bit of confidence to do it. But hey, 
Sometimes she'll also get a laugh from that. Or sometimes she'll say, I'm not interested because, and you could still work off of that and say, well, out of curiosity, who in your business would be interested in something like this? Nice. Try to get the referral or try to get an introduction to someone else. What do you find that people say when it's like, why aren't... Because I've always felt like that is something that triggers someone to be defensive when I'm like, oh, why aren't you interested? Right? It's sort of like, hey, I didn't even say anything yet. Give me a shot. And it almost makes it a little bit confrontational. Do people heat up or what's their typical reaction from there? So I personally at Pareto, I'm calling into sales leaders. So those are your VPs of sales. Those are your CEOs, you know, CEOs of companies that are 200 to 500 people. So those CEOs still make a lot of sales decisions on their own. Like they are the final decision when it comes to a lot of this stuff. So the fact that I get to call sales leaders that have a team that's doing exactly what I'm doing, a lot of them really appreciate the push. Sometimes I'll even get a nice cheeky compliment and they'll be like, wow, Sarah, like you're good. I wish my team was doing something like this or I wish my team was asking questions like this. So I get actually a lot of compliments, which is great, but I'm also specifically calling into sales leaders that literally have a team that's doing exactly what I'm doing. 100%. And I actually, the reason that I call this out is you and I approach this one pretty similarly. You just have a slight variation because you're calling sales leaders, but the premise is the same. I'll actually put it on myself instead of putting it on them, where I'll be like, well, shoot, my pitch must have really sucked. I didn't say anything yet. So I'm curious, was there something that prompted you to not be interested? Is it you have something in place or do you just hate getting cold calls? And so that's one other way if you wanted to soften it or put it on yourself. But either way, you're taking the same approach from there. Yeah, 100%. And I think it goes to like your personality, right? I'm definitely a little bit more of a direct, your typical New Yorker. I want what I want on a cold call. I'm going to try and get it. And people do appreciate that. But Armin, listen, there's definitely, I'm not going to sit here and lie to you and say everyone loves it. There's definitely people that hang up right away or they may say something that's pretty defensive. So that's another amazing way that I could definitely try as well. I definitely want to try that. So I love it. But yeah, both kind of going after the same objective. So if we go to this next piece, which is the pitch, you basically said, these are the three things that Pareto does, A, B, and C. And I'm hoping that you can tell me as the grouchy, get off my lawn, old man here, because things that we've oftentimes heard in more recent cold calling advice is to speak in problem language. So for example, instead of saying Pareto allows you to hire, yada, 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 you would say something like, oftentimes sales leaders spend hours and hours and hours trying to find a good candidate only to be dealing with phone screens that are a complete waste of time, right? You thought about the trade-offs between using more, these are the three things we do language versus these are the three problems we solve language. Yeah, definitely. To be fair, I would say I'm pretty consistent in my pitch in the terms of these are the three things that we do. However, another question that I will ask typically after that pitch is what are your top three sales challenges at the minute? And then they'll say, typically, they'll rank them one, two, and three, which is awesome because it gives me so much room to play with. And that's also when I'll jump in by saying, well, Armin, you're struggling to find really good talent right now in a market that's extremely saturated. That's exactly why we should meet because Pareto can support you in finding great quality talent quickly. And then not only that, but protecting your investment by training them as well once we place them into your business. And then I'll say, let's chat more about this at two o'clock tomorrow. You're using this phrase with a lot of intention. That's exactly why we should meet. I've heard you say it a couple of times. Can you talk about what you're doing there? Yeah. So I think it's kind of like inviting 
the challenge a little bit more. It's like, this is exactly why we should meet because there is a challenge here and you are facing a challenge. And on their side of the phone, they're like, oh, this is a really big challenge for me. And she sees that maybe we should actually speak about this. Maybe there is something that I can do. So you are kind of inviting the negative, but they said it first. So it's kind of like you're just piggybacking off of the negative that they just said, jumping on it, taking advantage of it, seeing that there's a challenge that you're able to solve and closing quickly. Because I think when you close quickly at that point, you already caught them in like, a this is a problem for me. Like this needs to be fixed. And that trigger right there is going to most likely allow them to say, you know what, Sarah, yeah, two o'clock works tomorrow. And then I'll say, what do you want to tailor to? I'm assuming it's this challenge that you're facing. And they're like, exactly. At what point do you try to close the cold call? Like, what do you need to feel like you've heard from the prospect or seen from them to be like, time to go in for the close? It takes a lot of active listening, which is so important for a salesperson on a cold call. Because if you're not listening to your prospect, they're going to know. So for me, there's been times where I have built so much great rapport with someone in the beginning of the call that I felt really confident that after I pitched, said, hey, Nick, you know what? Based on the three things I just said, how about we chat a little bit further about these three and how we can support your business tomorrow at 2 p.m. or Friday at 5 p.m.? Reason being is this is what we can do to achieve your profitability goals. And I would love to chat further. Like, which do you want to tailor it to? And sometimes I've had people and potential clients that have accepted right on the spot just because we built so much good rapport and conversation in the beginning. But oftentimes, Nick, that doesn't happen. But I'm still a big believer in asking one question after the pitch. So what are your top three sales challenges? They name one. That's right when you pounce. Like That's exactly why we should meet. How does tomorrow work at 2 p.m.? Worst case scenario, which does happen a lot, is they'll say, whoa, 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 wait a second. Walk me through again. What is this about? Why should I meet? Because now you caught them in like, okay, wait, I did say that I have a challenge, but wait a second. What actually do you guys do? And you might have to go through it one more time, but that's a really good sign. But closing soon and closing fast allows you to close again. So I personally would rather have two or three opportunities to close on a cold call. And sometimes I have closed three times. But again, me specifically, I'm calling into sales leaders. So they really appreciate it. Sometimes they really appreciate the persistence. So it just gives you more room to handle more objections, but also have another opportunity to close. Because why wouldn't we all want another opportunity to close, right? At the end of the day, we want to book the meeting. So close quickly. Don't knock until you try it. See what happens. To what extent are you tailoring the way that you hard close to the priorities they gave you? So if I'm like, well, Sarah, we're really focused on increasing team attainment, building out our mid-market segment and getting better at forecasting. No matter what I say, are you saying, that's why we should meet? Or are you taking some of the things that I'm saying and being like, oh, we help with A, B, and C to support X, Y, Z? Or is it just like you need them to get it out of their system so you can just ask them? I mean, Armin, sometimes even in that sentence, like I was mentioning earlier, a lot of these more technical VPs that are within tech, they will throw a lot of words at me that I'll throw my hands up and be like, I don't know what that means, but I know we we, we can help you with it. you know. So like, don't be afraid to hard close because also once you book that meeting with them, you can always ask another question now that we're meeting tomorrow at two o'clock based on some of the things I said in my pitch, what do you want the meeting tailored to? And that at the end of the day is all that matters because at the end of the day, you know your company best, you're confident in what you do and how you could support clients. And once you just get that answer to that small question, 
you'll be able to go into that meeting really prepared and being able to tailor it to what they're interested in. What I think is powerful about it is the second that you get even an inkling of a priority or a problem that you can solve, you are going right in for that is exactly why we should meet. Mm-hmm. And what it allows you to do is you show a lot of like conviction, enthusiasm, and like you said this, we should meet. And yeah. what you're not having to do is this sort of like real-time processing, which can be really hard on a cold call because your, your emotions, your adrenaline are at max. And it can be hard to slow down and be like, oh, you said this, this, and this. Yeah, I think we can help with this in this way. You're being like, you set a priority. That's exactly why we should meet. And you're keeping it simple. The other thing that I think is effective around this is you are controlling the frame of the interaction around the prospect doesn't know if you're trying to have a full 30-minute discovery call off of the cold call. And frankly, that is their worst nightmare. And it's why a lot of salespeople get hung up on is the prospect is like, how long is this thing going to take? Like, is this person going to like ask me questions for eight minutes straight? Are they trying to have a conversation? And what you're showing them by going in for that close early and suggesting a scheduled meeting is you're like, let's end this now. Let's get off the phone now. I'm just trying to set up a meeting with you, not have a full conversation. And that should actually improve your conversion rate on the call. Yes. Yeah. I mean, Nick, you make such a great point because I think a lot of SCRs get stuck on questions. They think they need to ask and ask and ask and ask. But at the end of the day, your goal as an SCR is not to sell the value of your company. Leave that up to your AEs. Leave that up to your senior sellers. Your goal is to sell the value of why they should take a meeting with one of your AEs. So don't forget that. Just focus on the meeting. Don't worry about trying to close a $300,000 deal as an SDR. That is not your job. And you will get there and you will love when you do it. But don't forget the simplicity of it. You're just trying to sell the value of a meeting. So if we go back to this initial ask, one thing that's different about your approach than a lot of other approaches that we've heard before on the show is a lot of people will just ask for the hard close or just ask for the meeting right after their pitch. So they say, these are the three things we do. I'm curious, would you be open to hearing more about them when I'm not calling you out of the blue? Right. And so I'm curious, why do you choose to forego the hard close for a second and get them talking first? I think it goes back to what I was just saying as well, Armin, is like being an active listener, like potential clients and prospects that you're cold calling want to know that you're understanding and hearing their main challenge. And it's also kind of what we like to call, and I'm sure everyone uses this term, but drip selling. So kind of repeating back also what they said, that way they know, okay, Sarah listens to me. She understands my challenge. Yeah, this is something that we should talk about. So I think foregoing the hard close is a really good option when you still need to build that trust, when you feel like it's not quite there yet. So whenever I'll ask that question, you know, what are your top three sales challenges at the minute? And they'll be like, Sarah, honestly, I just can't find quality people. Well, that's exactly why we should meet. The fact that you're not finding good quality people right now is actually extremely common in the market. What we do is we're able to sift through a ton of candidates that typically you may not be able to have the far and wide reach that Pareto has as a global organization. So leave that up to us. And this is something that we could talk about on the meeting tomorrow because understand finding good quality talent is hard. Totally appreciate that it's hard. Sympathize with them. Make sure that you show a little bit of empathy because honestly, a lot of the challenges that these prospects are facing are real. And, you know, at the end of the day, they have a business to run. So these are real life challenges. And the fact that 
you could be a person that helps them solve that is also the amazing part of being in sales. So Sarah, let's take the fact that we are assuming right now that people are going to answer, yeah, these are my three priorities. My guess is if you dial or if you connect with 10 people, you might call it, I don't know, five people who actually give you something of substance, but you might get five people who choose to not answer your question and instead give you an objection. What do you do when they're like, no, I'm I'm just going to bypass your question? Yeah, this is what I say. So when people say, actually, we have an internal recruitment team or, hey, we have it covered, I say, totally appreciate that you may have an internal team and you have it covered. However, we actually work alongside an internal team so that you could benchmark the best talent possible. You know, we're not trying to change anything that you're currently doing. It's more so that you have more insight to the candidates that are out there in the market. Mm-hmm. And so for you, if you get 10 people on the phone, how many people take you down that route of just like interrupting with the objection versus actually like are willing to share their priorities with you? Well, Armin, first and foremost, if I got 10 people on the call and every 10 calls, I would be like on cloud nine. So I wish, but (laughs) I would say like nine out of 10. It's very rare that I'll get someone that's like, you know what, here are my top three sales challenges at the minute. Like I do have a second to chat. And I think that's, you know, the resilience that you need to have in sales, because in reality, I know when I post a lot of my videos, I'm posting a lot of my connects, right? But what you don't see is that I'm probably behind the scenes calling for about two hours in order to get those. And even when I do get those, I don't even get that far. So I know I share a lot of the challenges and the ones that go not the right way. But what I always like to say is, if you can't book a meeting on a cold call, just get any small piece of information that's going to lead you in the right direction to book that next meeting with the same company, maybe whether it's with someone else, getting a referral, asking them who else would be more, you know, the person in the decision-making process on this. Anything that you can get out of that call is still a win. So at the end of the day, if you're calling on later on this afternoon and you're listening to this podcast this morning, just remember that if you get any small piece of information on a cold call without booking the meeting, it's still a win. And that's really important for you guys to understand too, because then you're really going to get burnt out if you're not counting the small wins. You talked about like the hours that you spend calling. How many calls do you make in any given day or week? Honestly, this is the perfect time to admit to everybody that I do not sit in cold call for eight hours a day. I do not. I jumped into the SDR role almost four years ago now. And that was my role. It's, you know, a little bit of smile and dial, but we do a lot of other ways of prospecting. So even back then, really, I was doing two power hours a day of 30 calls. So was hoping to do like 60 to 80 in a day, which I think is honestly extremely reasonable because it gives you time to do a ton of other things throughout the day. But now I would honestly say I cold call when I have time. So like I mentioned, I'm a senior manager at Pareto now. So it comes with a lot of different hats, which I love, but I love to be a seller. I love closing deals. It's like an addiction. It's something that I love. I get a high off of it. And I actually am like a full sales cycle person right now. So I'm creating my only list. I'm prospecting. I'm cold calling. I'm sending personalized emails. I'm doing a lot of LinkedIn videos. And then once I book the meeting, I go on the meeting. I try to close deals on that meeting. Usually it takes two to three. You know, I do a lot of account management, looking after some really big clients. So it's a lot. And people don't realize that because they're like, Sarah, I can't believe you do this day in and day out. I don't. But the reason why I don't stop it is because cold calling is not dead. As many people will tell you like, oh my God, it's 2024. Like, why are you still cold calling? 
I book the best meetings sometimes from a cold call. And they also are the ones that really value that you cold called them. And they were really impressed by that. And for my industry in recruitment, they want someone like that on their team. So it's almost like selling myself a little bit on that cold call. Like if I impress this guy, he's going to want to take people from us because I also came through Pareto recruitment. So I have to kind of think of it like that too when it comes to cold calling and preparing and also just making sure that I'm proof of the pudding. So kind of selling myself and what I went through as well as my experience. You mentioned two power hour blocks when you were in that SDR role a day for about 60 dials. Did you have a particular time of day that you did? Did you change it up? I'm curious about the mechanics of that. I changed it up all the time. I can't really give you guys like, this really works or this really works. However, setting those two power hour time blocks really held me accountable and it still does. I still use them. I would literally do like 10 to 11, block it off in my calendar, power hour with 30 cold calls in parentheses. And I would not move on from that block and do something else until those calls were finished because it held me accountable. I got them done at the end of the day, as much as I didn't want to do them, let's admit, like a lot of people don't wake up and want to do cold calls all the time, but it really held me accountable. So that's something that you guys can action right away just to hold you accountable, get your numbers done. A lot of you guys are targeted on the amount of calls that you make. So try that because it 100% works. But my favorite time to calls are, we always call it nine before nine and five after five. That's when you're catching those CEOs, those senior sales leaders. Maybe they're on the line at Starbucks or Dunkin' Donuts, wherever they are. They actually do have 30 seconds to chat because they're not at their desk yet. You're catching them on their way in. They're driving. They don't mind taking a call and speaker on their, on their car. You get so many connect rates. A few people on my team, they'll actually, out of those nine calls, they'll get like three or four connects and they actually pitch at least twice. So you got to start doing that if you haven't because it is such a prime time to call. And my first ever sales job, I created a rule for myself that I called the 10 dial no P rule. And it was the idea that I would show up at the office really, really early and I would have drank a huge Starbucks on the way into the office. And I'd show up at the office and like, I'd have to go pee. And I knew that like, if I didn't get into making my cold calls first thing in the morning, I would end up procrastinating because if I went to my desk, I'd end up going on email. So what I did for myself is I was like, okay, when you get to the office, you are not allowed to go to the bathroom until you make 10 cold calls. And so I would literally like sprint to my desk, pick up my phone. I would have prepped my list the night before because I didn't want to have any wasted time. And I would go dial, 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 dial with the goal of being able to go to the bathroom in time. That'll definitely get someone to call. So, hey, I like that tip. I'm pro that tip. Give it a go. Hope you don't get a loquacious prospect that wants to chat for 45 (laughs) minutes about their dog and their life. So Love that. The last thing that I want to call out, Sarah, is if you haven't followed Sarah on TikTok, she has some amazing live cold calling stuff. So she's not just giving the theoretical advice here. She's doing it in the field. And both on this show and also on your TikToks, there's a degree of calm, poise. You've got the New Yorker thing going on where you never feel like you're losing control of a cold call, even when people are like, I'm not interested. And I can tell there's someone on the other line who's barking at you trying to jump off the phone. And so when you're working with your team, what are some of the most common tone mistakes that you find yourself fixing with a more junior SDR picking up the phones? People do hear when there's nerves in your voice and you're a little uncertain. 
don't forget that if you go in and have that fake it till you make it type of mentality, like at the end of the day, what you say, you can pitch a totally different thing and that prospect will have no idea. You know what I mean? So have the mentality of like, if I make a mistake, it is totally fine. I just need to have a really calm, collective, confident tone. What helps with that is standing up. If you haven't done your cold call, standing up, try it. Power stance is a real thing. We make everyone do it the first 10 minutes of every power hour. Everyone has to stand up and you cannot sit down until you pitch. So sometimes we have people standing for the whole hour, but I love it. Like it's so fun, but that honestly really helps your tone. You just feel really powerful. You feel really much more confident about yourself. But listen, at the end of the day, cold calling is no joke. It is hard. I think it's one of the hardest things that people can do when they're just stepping into the first time in their career. So give yourself grace, practice on it, call with your team, get confident, have fun with it. I'm curious, when you have these newer salespeople that you're training up, what's your take on having them use a script? I always recommend a script within like the first few weeks and months until you start to develop your own type of character on a cold call. However, I used to find as an SDR, whenever I stopped booking meetings and I would get really frustrated, I'm like, what's going on? Like, what am I doing wrong? I always had the script to go back to and I would forget about it. I'd be like, wait a second, let me go back to basics. This is what I know works. Let me restart, recharge, go back to my script and then kind of redevelop myself and my confidence so that I can steer away from the script and I can get more creative and things like that. So I'm actually a big believer in a script. I don't use one now. I've been doing this for almost five years, but I do sometimes remind myself, go back to basics. You have something that you learn from as a base, as a foundation. Don't forget where you came from. Don't forget where you started at. You obviously learned it like that for a reason. So I'm a big believer in a script, but I'm also a big believer in eventually making it your own because every salesperson is different. People buy from people. Just because I sell to someone doesn't mean that my colleague is going to sell to them too or vice versa. Boom. I love it. Well, Sarah, this has been phenomenal, but we're running out of time here. The clock is ticking. So I got to move to the final question. So we've talked about a lot of really great things salespeople should be doing. Now I got to ask you about a shouldn't. And so my last question is, what is one bad habit that you see a lot of salespeople exhibiting that you think they need to break because it hurts them more than it helps? Don't get stuck in the rut because that's the only way that you're going to get yourself down and you're not going to get yourself out of the trenches. And we've all been there. I've been there. You want to make sure they do have that positive mindset. You can believe in yourself that you're going to come out of this. Like there's only one call away for maybe the biggest deal of your life that you're going to bring in. So it's just always really important to have a steady head on your shoulders, positive mindset, put that ego aside and make sure that crawl out of it best way possible. Like I said, that biggest deal that you're about to close is right around the corner. Oof, I love it. If you knew how powerful your thoughts were, you'd never allow yourself to think a negative thought again. Sarah, thank you for joining us. Everybody stick around for a second recap coming up soon. Today's deal acceleration cheat code is brought to you by Pipedrive, which is a CRM built by sellers for sellers. The best way to drive your pipeline forward is to every single day, pull up a list of all of your open opportunities and look at each opportunity by stage and think, what can I do today that will increase my likelihood of winning this deal? That's how you keep your ops moving forward in between meetings that you have on the calendar. Now we documented five cheat codes that can help you cut your sales cycle in half with Pipedrive. There's a link in the show notes to steal them.
This week's actionable prospecting tactic is from Sixth Sense, who shows you the prospects who are most likely to buy so you can get more meetings with fewer activities. Personalizing cold emails requires you to only change the first paragraph in a trigger template. All you have to do is tie the research to the problem you solve in paragraph one, and then switch that out while you leave paragraphs two and three, your solution and call to action, exactly the same. And so we are giving you six of these trigger templates with our partners at Sixth Sense. The link is in the show notes. Today's prospecting tip is brought to you by Woodpecker. When you're sending a sales email, you generally want to avoid putting punctuation in the subject line. If you've got an exclamation point, it makes it seem like you're shouting at them. Look at this amazing offer. And a question mark just smells salesy. So avoid punctuation. Now, if you want to steal my full sales cadence from my friends at Woodpecker, there's a link in the show notes for you to go get it and try it for free. Otter AI's Otter Pilot for Sales gives you the freedom to sell on your discovery calls by taking notes for you. One of the best ways to deepen your discovery is to ask your prospect about the impetus behind their goals. So when a prospect tells me they want to advertise on more sales podcasts, I'll say, well, it's not every day that you wake up and decide you want to sponsor a podcast. What's causing you to even explore this in the first place? Now, we put together the ultimate discovery checklist with our friends at Otter AI, which you can get for free at the link in the show notes. Your top four actionable takeaways from this episode with Sarah Plowman. Number one, that's exactly why I called. When your prospect shares a smidgling of a problem or a priority that they have, make that your reason for booking the meeting and go right in for the close on the cold call. Even if you don't book the meeting right there, at least you are orienting the call around, hey, I'm trying to schedule a meeting. Number two, nine before nine, five after five. Those early morning and evening dials can be some of the best ways to increase your connect rate with hard-to-reach prospects. Number three, after your opener, you go through the three parts of your pitch, but you end with an open-ended question. What are the priorities for the year? And then number four, you can either go into that's why we should meet if they give you those three priorities, or you can roll with the objection if they give you an objection. So if they say, hey, we already have a recruiter, you should explain how you work alongside and supplement your recruiter. So roll with it. All righty, Nick, how can people help us out here? So if you liked learning how to cold call from Sarah, we are actually going to be doing a 30 Minutes to President's Club tactic teardown where Sarah and some wonderful other guests will be teaching all of us how to beat any objection in the world. There is a link in the show notes to register for this tactic teardown. So if you want to learn more from Sarah, join us there. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week on the show. show is brought to you by Exactly Forecasting, which is a flexible sales forecasting solution that uses AI and data to help you call an accurate sales forecast. Gartner says over half of sales leaders don't have high confidence in their forecast. One way we recommend to improve your forecast is to align as a team on explicit attributes that must be true in order to deem a deal forecastable. That way your forecast will get clearer and the team will know where to focus efforts. We put together a forecasting 101 guide with our friends at Exactly. Get it for free in the show notes. This week's actionable prospecting tactic is from Sixth Sense, who shows you the prospects who are most likely to buy so you can get more meetings with fewer activities. 
Personalizing cold emails requires you to only change the first paragraph in a trigger template. All you have to do is tie the research to the problem you solve in paragraph one, and then switch that out while you leave paragraphs two and three, your solution and call to action, exactly the same. And so we are giving you six of these trigger templates with our partners at Sixth Sense. The link is in the show notes.